0: Kids have been having to make extra noise to fill the void. We still aren't quite through the series we started on uh, Life After Death. We're getting close, though. This week's portion of it is, uh, what do we know about the Lord's second coming? Everything we've examined up to this point in this series on Life After Death has pertained to the intermediate state. And though Christians can look forward to expecting bliss during the intermediate state, there are even greater blessings for us to look forward to. We're going to talk about the resurrection of the dead, in which our spirits will obtain glorified and immortal bodies, the day of judgment, which for the Christian will be a day of glory and vindication, the new heavens and the new earth, in which God and Christ will dwell with us for eternity. And all these blessings will be ushered in with the Lord's second coming. While most professing Christians look for the Lord to return, they often differ greatly over the details surrounding the second coming of our Lord. There's a pre-millennial view, which looks for Christ to come in order to establish a literal kingdom on earth over which he will reign for a thousand years. There's a postmillennial view, which understands that Christ will come at some point, will at some point begin a thousand year reign from heaven, at the end of which he will come to judge the world. And the amillennial view, which believes that Christ has been reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords ever since his ascension to heaven, and that his coming will be to raise the dead, judge the world, and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. That's the one we're going to talk about today. We're going to begin, therefore, with the certainty of his coming. That's something every religious group that believes in Christ can agree on. This has been proclaimed by angels starting at the time of his ascension. In Acts 9, 1, 9-11, the two men in white apparel, angels, said that this same Jesus who was taken up from the heaven will soon come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Angels, as talked about a little bit in class this morning, were typically messengers from above. They didn't run around spreading rumors. They delivered messages from above that were true. And here they are saying that the same Jesus will return in like manner in which you just seen him leave. Angels weren't the only ones to proclaim such an idea. The apostles spoke of it as well. Peter, in his second recorded sermon in Acts 3, 19-21, said, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive, until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. The Apostle Paul wrote of it to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11:26. 26, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. First Corinthians 15, 22, and 23, he said, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But every man, in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward that they are Christ at his coming. Paul wrote similarly to the Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10, For they themselves show of what manner of entering end we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serving the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us up from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 2.19, he wrote, For what is, a, what is our hope of joy, or crowning, or rejoicing? Are we not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And 3.13, he wrote, To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. There were other writers, the young evangelist Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.1 said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. The writer of Hebrews in 9, 27 and 28 touched on it. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So throughout the New Testament, we have again and again and again the Lord's returning, the Lord's reappearing, the Lord's coming back. Just as throughout the Old Testament, one finds the recurring theme, the Messiah is coming. In the New Testament, again we keep seeing He has come, but he's coming again. To the certainty of his coming, we can add the manner of his coming. We know that Christ will come in person. The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come. We talked about that next 1, the two men. They said that he will return. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. First Thessalonians 4, 15-17 For this we say unto you by the word of our Lord, the... So we know he's going to come back in person. We also know that the Lord will come back with clouds. The same Jesus will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven, again from Acts 1. This is referring to verse 9, where it says he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Or in 1 Thessalonians 4, where it says, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Or in Revelation 1.7, where it says, behold, he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also, which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth, shall wail because of him, even so. So we know he will come in person, we know he will come with a cloud, we also know he will come without warning. The day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That's what 1 Thessalonians 5 told us. That same chapter also tells us that when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes. Second Peter 3 would tell us that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, same as they told us back in Thessalonians. So we know that aside from coming in person and coming with a cloud is going to be a surprise. Not a complete su- surprise to Christians because we know he is coming. But it's not going to be when we think. used to talk about people making predictions. And there's one thing you know for sure about a time when a man says this is when the Christ will, will return you know for a fact that that day and hour is probably not when it's going to happen. Because no man knows the day or the hour. He's going to come unexpected as far as when he comes. Of course, this expected coming of the Lord will not surprise the faithful entirely who seriously watch for the Lord's coming. With joyful anticipation, we wait the personal return of our Savior. First Thessalonians 5, 4-11 says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness... That that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of all we are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should together live with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also we do. We should have enough faith and confidence in Christ to be joyfully anticipating his return. And while the time frame may surprise us, that should be the only surprise for us. What will happen when the Lord returns is another question to consider. To answer this, we're going to look at the purpose of his coming. To start with, that's to raise the dead. The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. John 5 tells us that. Note that there is but one resurrection, including both good and evil, that will occur at one time, referred to as the hour. As Paul said, there will be a resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust, Acts 24.15. Those who are alive at the Lord's coming will be charged in the twinkle of an eye, being clothed with immortality and incorruption. First Thessalonians 4 tells us they, will then, they are then caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Aside from raising the dead, he's coming to deliver up the kingdom to God. Contrary to the view that Jesus has yet to establish his kingdom on earth, Jesus has been ruling over his kingdom since he first ascended to heaven. In fulfillment of the prophecy that God would rise up the Christ to sit on the throne of David, Jesus was raised from the dead and made Lord. Acts 2, 30-36 Therefore being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him that are the first of his loins according to the flesh, he will rise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel assuredly know that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Christ would tell us that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus Came and spake unto them, saying, All power was given unto me in heaven and in earth. Well, that sounds a whole lot like being able to rule a kingdom to me. We know that Christ is above all power, might, dominion, with all things placed under His feet. Ephesians 2:20 20 through 22 says, Which He wrought in Christ, when He raised from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all, principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things in the church. At the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers are made subject under Christ. 1 Peter 3.22 says, of, of Jesus, who was gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels, authorities and powers being made subject to him. Again and again, the Bible tells us about what he's already in charge of. Christians are said to be in Christ's kingdom, having been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his Son. That's what we read in, first, in uh, Colossians 1.13. Revelation 1, 1.9 also says, I, John, who also am your brother, and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He talks about being in the kingdom with us. Well, John was around a long time ago and was already talking about being in the kingdom. We know that Christ will continue to reign. First Corinthians 15, 25 says he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. We should note that his reign will be concurrent with the fact enemies are still present. As prophesied by the Psalmist in Psalms 110, 1 through 2. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion, rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So Christ is now the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. As we read in 1 Timothy, also Revelation 19, 16 says, And he hath on his vesture, and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we know from scripture after scripture that he will reign until all enemies are put under his feet. First Corinthians 15.25 is another one that ties that together. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death itself. First Corinthians 15.26, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And this is that which we have seen which will be destroyed at the Lord's coming when he has raised the dead. First Corinthians fifteen, fifty one through fifty-four says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but all shall be but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruptible and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. So when Christ comes, it will not be to set up his kingdom, but to deliver up his kingdom. As Paul clearly told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 23-26, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ, the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. Even the Father, when he, ha- when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he, put, till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So we know this as taught by Jesus in his parable of the tares. His kingdom will last until the end of this age, after which the righteous will shine forth as a son in the kingdom of the Father. We all know that parable. If you want to read it, it's in Matthew 13. But well, you got the wheat and tares growing together and it's got to be sorted out and Christ is the one doing that for us. As suggested in this parable, there's a delivering up the kingdom to the Father which requires some weeding, just like anything else is being gleaned and harvested, there's always a little bit of weeding to be done. And this is going to lead us to consider another purpose of the Lord's coming, and that's the one of judgment and the world of the world and punishment of evil. God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world. Second Peter three seven says the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Acts 17.31 says, Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one that receives that, that receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We know that this judgment is coming. There's a standard by which he will judge. John 12:48 says, "He that rejecteth me and rejecteth not my words hath and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. We know that the word of God will be used to judge those on Judgment Day. It will be a day of perdition or utter destruction for ungodly men. Second Peter 3.7, the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of godly men. We know that those who know not God and have not obeyed the gospel will be punished with everlasting destruction. Second Thessalonians 1.7-10, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the angel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. We know that those whose names are not in the book of life will be cast in the lake of fire, Revelation 20, 11-15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the death which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. More than the judgment will be considered, about the judgment will be considered in the next couple lessons. Uh, to finish up with Christ coming, he's also going to come to usher in the new heaven and the new earth. Second Peter 3, 10-14 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall mount with fervent heat. The earth also... And the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, the manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversion and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. This will follow the passing away of the present heavens and earth, and it's a fulfillment of God's promise. Uh, God made this promise in several places. One of them was Isaiah 65, 17 through 19, and 66, 22 through 23. 65 says, For behold, I create new heaven and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. In chapter 66, we read, For as the new heaven and The new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord. So shall your seed and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. It is something that we should be looking for. It will be a realm where righteousness dwells, therefore the need to be found in peace without spot and blameless when Christ returns. This is taught by John in Revelation 21, 1 through 22, 5. I'm going to leave that as homework because this is a fairly long lesson. That's uh, the entire chapter of 21 on the first five verses of Revelation 22. And it will follow after the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. It will be a place where the new Jerusalem will abide when it comes down out of heaven. And God will dwell with us in this new Jerusalem that has come down out of heaven. So the purpose of Jesus' coming can be summed up by his statement of Revelation 22:12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his word. We know that Jesus has not yet come, that, that Jesus has not yet come is only an indication of God's long-suffering spoken throughout the Bible. But rest assured that the day will one day come, and the Lord will return In lessons uh, to come, we're going to examine more closely several parts of His coming. But in the the meantime, what should be our attitude toward the coming of the Lord is a question I want to pose to you at the end here. And I'm going to suggest it should be one of prayerful preparation. Luke 21, 34-36 says, And take heed of yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering, suffering and drunkenness and cares upon this life, And so that day come upon you unawares, for as a snare shall it come on them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. 2 Peter 3.14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in peace without spot and blameless. Our attitude should be one of joyful expectation. Philippians 3, 20-21 For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And our attitude should also be one of patient endurance. Hebrews 10, 35-39 Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while and he that shall come will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul so we should be prayerfully preparing joyfully expecting and patiently enduring as we anticipate the coming of our Lord and Savior when we come together we always offer an invitation we do our best to emphasize the strong need to respond to that if you're subject to the invitation but if you don't do it while we're here you can always get a hold of somebody throughout the week that being said, you're here now. If you've never given your life to Christ, don't play Russian roulette with your eternity. You could die on your way home. If you are a Christian and you have needs, the invitation's there for you also as we all stand and think.